How's it going, everyone? My name is Adam, and you're listening to the West Coast Bible Teacher. And this is the show where we are teaching the Word of God, one podcast at a time. Today we're finishing what has been a four-part series slash study on narcissists. And I would encourage you to at least go back and listen to the last study we did. Uh, For in last week's shorter podcast, we looked at the first half of Proverbs chapter 24, which is a portion of scripture that gives incredibly good information for how we can respond to narcissists. You see, the first two podcasts that we did, we talked about narcissists and how they behave, you know, what to look for and dealing with them in in various contexts and whatnot. But last week, and now this week, we're venturing more into, okay, so now how do we respond to this? How do I deal with the great pain that the narcissistic person has brought me through? Whether it's a co-worker, a family member, a neighbor next door. You can find these types of people in pretty much any setting, even within the church. How do we deal with them? How do we respond to their ruthless behavior towards both ourselves and also others? Well, the first two podcasts that we had on this subject, they very much covered how we should deal with these people and our interactions with them. We talked about setting boundaries when we have to. We talked about how we should be when engaging in arguments or confrontations with these types of people. But both last week, and also today especially, we are focused upon how to move on from this type of person. You've dealt with them, but now what will your response be? Will you remain in anger, bitterness, and even feel vindictive towards the person for uh, months or even years on end? Or will you have the strength and ability to move on? and simply give the person over to the Lord, knowing that He will one day right all of the wrongs ever done to us in this life. The latter option is not easy, and I myself struggle with this. So I want people to know that if you're struggling to move on from a hurt or hurts that have been done to you by toxic people, don't worry, you're not alone. The West Coast Bible teacher struggles with this too. (laughs) So, you know, we're in this fight together. The study that we're about to get into today is going to serve as an encouragement to me, just as much as it will hopefully be an encouragement to you. And all of it's coming, of course, from the Word of God. And as a Bible teacher, I have the responsibility to give you what the Word of God says. So both of us together will be blessed and will learn from today's teaching. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and start. We got through the first half of Proverbs 24 last week, and we'll be picking it up in the second half at verse 14. And it reads, Know also that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there is a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Now, this is interesting. Wisdom, as we know, is found through the Word of God. Those who are abiding in God's Word will have a future hope, and this promise pertains to both this current life and also the eternal life to come. 
for those who are walking with the Lord in this current life, will live a life that is meaningful and one that is terrific preparation for the eternal life that will come later on. And we read here that those who are walking in the Lord's statutes and principles, their hope won't be cut off. Now looking at this from the eternal standpoint, the scriptures talk about how the wicked will be cut down within a moment. Within Psalm 73, the psalmist was very upset when he saw how many wicked people were prospering on this earth. And this is something that I think often bothers us. When we see people who we know are greedy, prideful people, narcissistic people, individuals who have gotten wealthy through walking all over others, um, you know, and ruthlessly attacking those who've gotten in their way. And we look at such people, and we see that many of them are very successful, they have nice cars, houses, they're wealthy or well-off, they get to go on beautiful vacations, and we think to ourselves, man, that's not fair. Why is God allowing this wicked, narcissistic person, who's hurt so many people, to get away with all of that, and remain successful, and wealthy, and all, you know? Well, you see, the narcissist might have present pleasures, and comforts, and riches. But they lack that future hope, that eternal hope. Those who have the eternal hope, the righteous, you see, they won't be cut off. However, the wicked will be cut off. For at the end of Psalm 73, we see that the psalmist was finally taken into the sanctuary of God. And the Lord showed the psalmist the final destination of the wicked people who never repent in this life. And the psalmist describes how God will one day cut off the wicked person. For he writes in Psalm 73 that God will surely cast them down to ruin. For suddenly they are destroyed, the psalmist says. He says that they are completely swept away by terrors. The wicked man might have been successful and intelligent to an extent, but they were still unwise, because true wisdom is found within the Word of God, and the wicked are obviously not walking in God's Word. But the righteous are, therefore they have the hope. This goes along with the main theme of what we are seeing throughout the rest of this proverb, Proverbs 24, and also the main theme of today's final podcast on narcissists. And that is that the narcissistic person who put you through hurt, who manipulated you, who used and abused you, and now you've moved on from them but you're still dealing with the emotional pain of the memory of how they hurt you, this person will one day get what's coming to them. I think that one of the biggest struggles that victims of narcissists have is that they see the narcissist continuing on in life. 
and not suffering any consequences for their actions. Maybe you are in a relationship with such a person. Maybe it's an ex, an ex-boyfriend, or an ex-husband. And they put you through so much pain. And you're no longer with them, but you still see them on social media and on Facebook. And they appear to be so happy. You know, they've, they've gotten another girlfriend or wife. And things appear to be so wonderful within the narcissist's life. And you think about all the pain that they've put you through. And it's still painful, you know, when you think about it. But here they are on Facebook. And they're having a good old time. <laughs> taking selfies at Disneyland. Or on that Caribbean cruise. Hashtag life's good, you know. And, <laughs> and you, th- you see these pictures that they're putting up on social media. And you're thinking, ah, I hate this person so much, you know. <laughs> hey, I would encourage you to not worry about them. Because the Bible tells us to not worry about such people and let them dominate our thought process. After the psalmist in Psalm 73 realized that God was going to repay evil one day, he came to the conclusion, Oh, how ignorant I was. I was so ignorant, worrying and being wrapped up over these wicked people. For their day will come. And in the meantime, while we're waiting for God to hold the wicked accountable for their actions, what do we got to do? We got to keep our head forward, and we got to stay focused on the purpose and plan that God has for our lives. For God's special protective and divine hand will be upon those who are in submission and surrender to Him. That doesn't mean that we won't experience pain, from narcissistic people, or from bad people. But it does mean that God will work out all things together for good for those who love Him and those who are called according to His purposes. Such is illustrated in the next passage of Proverbs 24. And this is actually a stern warning to those who are wicked, i.e. in the context of this study, the narcissistic person. We read in verses 15 through 16, Do not lurk like a thief near the house of the righteous. Do not plunder their dwelling place. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. The Holy Spirit here within these two verses is affirming to wicked people, that God's hand will be upon those who are righteous. God's special protection will be upon those who are walking and living in righteousness. For He will give them strength and favor to where they're able to get through any calamity and difficult circumstance that comes their way. And notice how it says in verse 16, For though the righteous fall seven times, This is acknowledging what I alluded to earlier, how as Christians we will have to experience a certain amount of pain and persecution. Yes, this will occur from time to time in life. And within the context of narcissistic people, 
We will have to deal with such people from time to time. People who have a vindictive heart and spirit against us, who want to do nothing but hurt us. But this passage states, though we will. Have to put up with a certain amount of persecution. It won't strike us down completely. You see, we'll never get destroyed. For Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, "We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed; perplexed, but not in despair; persecuted, but not abandoned; struck down, but not destroyed." You might say, but Adam. What about the Christians who are killed for their faith, Adam? This sounds all nice and profound and theological and all, but what about those of us who really do get destroyed by evil people? You know, someone might say to me, "Well, what about my Christian mother, who was raped and killed? She didn't get back up like the Scripture says. She's gone." But is she? We must not forget the full context of what these scriptures in the Bible are speaking about. Back in verse fourteen, we saw that those who walk in wisdom have a future hope, and this hope pertains not only to the present realm, but also the eternal realm and our eternal future. The wicked person might be able to kill the body. But they can't destroy us completely, because we have that eternal future set in stone. If this present body dies, we go up in heaven for all of eternity. And the wicked person who killed us will likely end up in hell. Yes, some wicked people do repent, which is a wonderful thing, of course. But most of them end up in hell. So again, we can move on, and be at peace. Be at peace, knowing that as long as we're continuing to live out our Christian walk, God's hand will be upon us. The wicked will eventually fall. But wait a minute. The next couple of verses here go on to give us a warning about this. Verses seventeen and eighteen tell us, "Do not gloat when your enemy falls." When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice, or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn His wrath away from them. Now, this is a very interesting admonition, and this is the type of passage that you got to further examine and study, especially considering that there are other scripture passages that appear to contradict what this is saying. An example would be Proverbs eleven ten, which reads, "When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices; when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy." This is a passage that seems to be in a positive context, a positive light. When the wicked people perish, there is rejoicing. But we have to keep in mind. That there are different reasons for why one can rejoice over the destruction of a wicked person. Back during the time that these proverbs were written, there were many oppressive kings and rulers, who brought about great pain to many who lived during that time. 
and therefore many people would cry out to God, asking that the Lord would deliver his people out of the hands of oppressive and wicked rulers. Therefore, when the evil, wicked ruler was defeated or brought down somehow, the people rejoiced. But this rejoicing was not likely over the fact that this evil person got to experience pain. But rather, it was an expression of gratitude. They were thankful to God that this wicked person was no longer able to hurt them anymore. They were thankful that the Lord stood up for his people. The focus of their rejoicing was not upon the wicked person as an individual, but rather it was on God and his faithfulness to them. I would say that we can approach toxic people that we come in contact with the same way. If an individual is oppressive and they're oppressing people, when we finally see them fall, when we finally see them get fired, from the supervisor position at work, or something like this. Rather than rejoicing and gloating over the fact that this person got theirs, or now they're in great pain, just like how they brought me through great pain, or our rejoicing should instead be over the fact that God's justice has been rendered, and those who have been oppressed by this person are now delivered from the oppressor. Bruce K. Woltke and Ivan Silva state within their exposition of Proverbs that joy for the triumph of the righteous over the wicked is good, but cold and calloused rejoicing at another's misfortune is evil. And if you take this latter response to seeing the narcissistic person go down, this scripture states that God will be displeased with that and he will turn away his judgment upon the person. What does that mean? All I can say is that I've studied what multiple commentators have to say on this particular passage, and from what I understand, this scripture pretty much means exactly what it says. It's certainly a warning, at least. Based upon this scripture... It appears that if we do rejoice and gloat in a hateful and spiteful way against the misfortune of another person, whether or not they are our enemy, God may turn his wrath away from them. This shows just how important it is for us to live on a higher level than those who are wicked. For we are to love our enemies rather than curse them. Because if we show hate for the wicked then we're pretty much operating on the same level as them, for the wicked walk in hate. And God doesn't like that. God wants us as children to be living on a higher level than the ungodly, than those who are not God's children. Now, the next two and final verses that we'll be looking at today sort of reiterate what has been said before about evildoers. For we read in verse 19, do not fret because of evildoers, or be envious of the wicked. For the evildoer has no future hope, and the lamp of the wicked will be snuffed out. Again, we're reminded about the hope, the only true hope of this life. The narcissist who's walking in ungodliness has no hope, 
Assuming, of course, that they're not Christians, you know, in, in which most wicked people are not believers. Some believers are living in wickedness, you can argue, but anyways, you get what I'm saying right now. Um, but we are not to fret or worry about those who do evil. This again goes back to when you're reflecting on all the nasty things a person's done to you. And then you see them on social media, and they're living it up, and they're just having a good old time. Life's good for them. You know they haven't repented of anything, but they're still living it up and having a good time. The scriptures tell us, don't fret about them. Don't worry about them. It looks like all those people have much. They have so much, you know. However, in reality, they really don't have anything. Because this present life and time that we have on earth can't even begin to compare to all of eternity. And when all these narcissistic people cross over and get to the other side, they're going to realize that they haven't stored up anything that's going to last for the rest of eternity. But you, the believer, have. So as we end this study on handling narcissistic people, I would encourage you to be as Paul when he stated, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. How do we respond to narcissistic people? How do we respond to the hurt that they put us through? At that job? Or at that church? Or wherever? We respond by moving forward and keeping our eyes on the things of the kingdom of God. We can be at peace, knowing that the narcissist will one day be held accountable by God for his or her actions. Again, we're not to gloat over the fact that one day they're going to be in pain. But rather, we can have peace knowing that the Lord will affirm to that person that what they did was wrong. The principle will be upheld. I believe that lots of Christians want to see justice carried out, not because they're vindictive or they want revenge, but rather it's because they want the principle to be upheld. The principle of right and wrong. Well, one day you will get that. For the Lord will hold every person accountable who stands before Him. And He will set the record straight. He'll make it clear to those who have hurt you in this life that what they did to you was wrong. The principle of right and wrong will be upheld. But in the meantime, we can't let such people occupy our thought process. We gotta have freedom. We gotta move on and continue on in the purpose and plan that God has established in our lives. I'll end with reading a quote from an excellent article on a website called BibleKnowledge.com. I may not necessarily agree with everything on this site, all of the things they talk about. However, I think that there is solid biblical information and counsel within 
many of the articles that they write. And this quote, or I guess not more like more like an excerpt, more than a quote, it's an excerpt, but it's written by an individual named Michael Bradley, who has passed away now, I believe. But he wrote an article a long time ago called How to Handle Negative Feelings. And at the end of the article, he writes, Until it is our time to depart from this life, each and every one of us will have to put up with a certain amount of evil wrongs coming from other people. We have all been hit with these evil wrongs and will continue to be hit with them until we finally cross over to be with our Lord and Savior for all of eternity. People are imperfect, and many of them will choose to live their life out of their flesh, where their only concerns in, in this life is to get as much as they can, while they can, and not caring who they run over and hurt in the process. Some of these people are living their lives on a lower level than animals, as their only goals in this life are to satisfy all of the lusts of their flesh. Until God finally prunes out all of these bad apples, and we finally get the new heaven and new earth as foretold to us in the book of Revelation, each one of us will have to handle these evil wrongs as they come to us. For those of you who have taken some real shots in your past, or possibly your present, just remember the big picture. God will eventually be judging all of these people for all of the wrongs they have ever done to anyone, including what they have personally done to you. And then the author goes on, he says, Until then, do not let the actions of a few bad apples ruin the rest of your life with what little time you still have left. Life is really way too short, and you only have one chance to live this life to its fullest for the Lord. Make the most of what time you still have left. God will be evening out all of the scores when it is finally, when it is all finally said and done. There will eventually be true and final justice for all. And for the most part, I think that this is a solid way of looking at it, of looking at the full picture of when we've taken some heavy blows from narcissistic people. When it's time to move on from them, move on. Don't let Satan use the memory of what the person did to you to control you and to keep you from living out the divine purpose that God's put you on this earth for. So with all that in mind, there you go. <laughs> we finished what turned out to be a four-part series on dealing with narcissists. And again, I myself have been blessed by this study and everything that we've learned. We all deal with difficult people in this life from time to time. And so we're all in this fight together as believers. But God is on our side. And hopefully you understand that now after going through all these passages from the Bible. But with all this in mind, I'll see you all on Friday for our study in Deuteronomy as we continue going through that book. So this has been the West Coast Bible Teacher, everyone. God bless you, and I'll see you Friday.